Enter now the age of apocalypse, Shiga, with your hosts, Dayspring and Scott Free. The name's Cable. Remember it. And the only people who can stop apocalypse are the mutants known as Dayspring, Scott Free, and Michelle. This is Captain America, and we need to defeat apocalypse. Welcome to Power of X-Men Apocalypse, a podcast where we review every single issue of the classic reality-warping, high-octane, epic X-Men crossover event known as Age of Apocalypse. I was the guy piloting the Blackbird when it crashed into Banshee during Deadly Genesis, Dayspring. And I am that one really, really gay Jamie Madrox dupe, uh, Mr. Scott Free. <laughs> I, I think they're all gay, aren't they? Well, Little, little, little bisexual. Yeah. The, 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 the Jamie Prime in this, uh, issues, in these issues that we're going to talk about, he is definitely like gay, like just sitting there with his legs spread open. Well, he's, he's been like lobotomized. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't think that's a sexual thing. I think that's, he's missing part of his brain thing. Bitch, no. Listen, whether he's missing part of his brain or not, it's so sexual the way they drew him. Well, you know what? We'll we'll get to that when we get to that. <laughs> How are you doing, Scott? How's everything going with you? Yeah, it's um it's been a while since we've we've done Age of Apocalypse content, but it's so popular with um fans that we're back. Yeah, I'm really tired of getting DMs from people a asking, "Oh my god, you know Scott Free, how is he?" And be like, are you guys going to wrap up like Age of Apocalypse? And fun fact, I was doing like kind of like I never look at numbers. I hate looking at numbers except for YouTube. I'm like fascinated with numbers on YouTube because I want to know how to grow a platform on YouTube, which I'm horrible, horrible at. But I was looking at like um, the numbers on the podcast and I was like, okay, our top episode is Leah Williams. And what comes out after that? And it's all of the Age of Apocalypse content, like literally light years. So I was like, okay, you know, for my own peace of mind, I want to make sure we plow through it. But I also think like we've talked about this before. We vibe so well, especially when we're chatting. So like, yeah, you know, don't don't screw with what works. Let's. uh... Yes, don't screw with what works. But also, I loved your reaction was like, we vibe really well. And you're like, like. They're not going to be able to see that unless we post this video. But like, you're like, yeah, mm-hmm, sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's a good vibe. Uh, I was going to say it's the original vibe, but Flinkman preceded me. So it's it's the uh, it's it's the uh, giant size. The uh, giant vibe. size vibe. Well, yeah. technically, Generations of X is a different podcast. We just archive it here on Power of X. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> Um, X-Men related news, San Diego. I'm not going to San Diego. I decided that this week. Are you, were you ever going to go? I don't know. If um, I, it, it was unlikely for me, just like timing wise. Yeah. We pitched a panel, me and Michelle, like an ex-women's panel with Lenore Zan and Emma Dumont and some other actresses and talent for, for the X-Men franchise. And bitch, they like were like, mm, we don't know because of the writer strike and the impending actor strike, which is like, okay, fine, fair. But also like other panels just got a 
approve, you know? And I was just like, oh, I don't know why we had to be the ones fighting here. And I was like, I literally have these two like big wigs in yeah. the X-Men community on hold waiting for you to respond. And they were like, okay, fine. We're going to circle back on you. I was like, you're going to circle back. Literally got so angry. I'm like, I'm not even bothering this year. So no, you do not circle back on Lenore's and Emma Dumont. I'm sorry. Well, it's so funny because I was talking to Lenore at like one in the morning on text. And I was like, I just, I don't think we're, we're vibing this year. And she's here like, yeah, I agree. Like, let's just wait till next year till it's bigger and better. So I'm sad to say we're not going to go to San Diego this year, but also like no one's going to San Diego. Like all like, like hall H isn't happening. Yeah. And it's like, well, you know, that, that sort of takes some of the wind out of it. And it's much, much easier for us to get to like New York comic con where yeah. we'll be. We're going to be at New York comic con and, and, you know, and we'll have Michelle do coverage of the con. Cause I was just talking to Michelle and she's here like, no BB don't say that nothing's happening at San Diego because there's going to be a lot of creators there. Like peach Momoko is going to be there for the first time. Sean Murphy is going to be there as well. So there's going to be a lot of talent and Justin, from Michelle and Justin is doing an Asian representation panel and David Nakayama is going to be on it. So lots of great stuff, but you know, I just think San Diego is so expensive to get to the hotels. And if it's going to be like, you know, such a mission with like everything with them, I'm just kind of like, I was kind of like, Meh. so yeah, I'd rather do, I'd rather do New York comic con. And I think dragon con as well. I, I really, do you go to dragon con? Um, I have not been to Dragon Con. Bitch, no. I hear that like Dragon Con is all about just like circle jerks at like the Hilton, like <laughs> like the Hilton lobby. Why aren't you there? That seems like it would be up your alley. Yeah, I mean uh, that's that's literally like that. I like I I built that alley, but no. Um, <laughs> uh, honestly, in the past, it's been generally scheduling conflicts. Um, just that's like the start of like the busy legal season it's like generally like it's what it's it's like the end of august september this year possibly gonna try to make it work not gonna make any promises but uh we'll see we'll we'll be at uh flame con in a month in the city yes. i'm really excited for flame con i'm gonna be meeting with my realtor the day before and then it happens the day after so it just works out really well i'm probably not gonna have a place so please tell me where you're staying so we can find a hotel room. <laughs> uh, I will. Well. We'll, 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 we'll do that off. off <laughs> the yeah, um, we don't need the Mr. Scott Freestands going to Yotel and banging on your door being like, no, your actually, kid Omega is great. Actually do go to the hotel. Yes. Go there. <laughs> um, yeah. I'll, I'll be there as uh, probably kid Omega one day and uh, Novar Marvel boy the other day. Okay. So I sent you the panels from, Young Ventures Volume One. You yes. totally have to recreate that. I'm like literally advocating for that. Well, the as I of said, him in his underwear dancing. You 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 buy the vodka. Uh, sorry, tequila sodas. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll make the magic happen. Ew, she drinks tequila soda. I thought you were just a beer queen. No, mix it up every now and then. Really. Yeah. So, like, last time we were together, folks at home, Scott and I were together, like, what, three weeks ago, a month ago, something like that. Yeah. I was like, let's do shots. And you're like, no, I'm going to do beer. And you had, like, your sensible beer. It, it was like, it was like three o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to work also yeah. a few hours later. Not only did I work, but I also got rebooked for two gigs from that event. 
for next year. So I already have hold. So there you go. Yatu Sabes. Yatu Sabes. Actually, I take it back. It was like one o'clock in the afternoon. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I definitely had like an hour or two to sober up. But I definitely was not sober when I arrived on site. I was like, oh, shit, I'm going to get fired from this gig because I quite literally look a mess. And uh, no, worked out. I was really happy with it. Hold it together. Hold it together. Well, speaking of holding things together, um, the world after Xavier is not holding up. It is grumbling. And we're here today to discuss Amazing X-Men issues one through four by Fabian Nicieza and with art by Andy Kubert. And, you know, I think the Age of Apocalypse saga is I'm continuously surprised by it. And I know we, we had to reschedule this episode one or two times because I had an emergency the other day, but I forgot about Amazing X-Men the initial times I've read about it. So I went in kind of blind this time when I was reading again, because I didn't really remember. I knew who was on the team, but I don't remember the story. And the first read I did, I was like, oh, I don't like this at all. And I think I texted you like, be prepared. But the second analytical read I did, I was like, oh, actually, this is a genius run. I really like this. It's it's one of the better books. Um of like the age of apocalypse like one of the better minis uh the the lineup of the team is really interesting um the theme like the the story is really interesting um i think it actually holds up well there's one or two others that i don't think hold up as well uh that we'll discuss eventually um but this this one holds up i think pretty well well, there's a lot here that I think needs to be addressed in general and just like broad strokes. Like this is where we get Dazzler smoking her cigarette, that yeah. iconic. Like when you think of Dazzler and the Age of Apocalypse, it's always going to be her lighting her cigarette. I think that's absolutely incredible. You also have the team with like Banshee, Quicksilver, Storm, Exodus, Iceman. And that is like, wow. You know what I mean? Like it, it's a fun team. And they have... I think Fabian like really gets it, you know, like he understands what makes the X-Men special and it's these complicated relationships and like the interpersonal drama, which we'll get into um, as we cover the issues. But like, again, like on my first read, I was like, this is kind of lame. Like there's not much happening in the story because like, you know, you have the astonishing team, you have Excalibur, you have generation next, like who are dealing with like really big, you know, plot points. And here the scope is pretty small, but it works really well because it's just fun. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, it's it's like a fun it's a fun time. Um, it ties together a bunch of those other books in the end. Um, you see stuff come together, and this one directly sets up um, Age of Apocalypse Omega, like the end of the whole. Yeah, thing, the whole so. thing, and I think like. I like that about it. Like it all, like, it's kind of like, it's, it's almost like divided into two stories, which we'll get into like issues one and two are very much as inclusive story centering around a one Jeremy Graves, which I'm just like, I wonder if he has a six, one, six counterpart, this like wretched child, but no, (laughs) this poor doom child does not have its, its own, you know, counterpart in six, one, six. And then like the second half, which is going after Magneto and Bishop. So, it feels a little all over the place, but it works. And I think the Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan was the inker here. And and Kevin Somers is the is the color artist. Oh my God. I mean, again, this is that hyper style of why you think I, I, I think Age of Apocalypse does so well because of its hyperlized style. 
hyperlized hyper hyper i don't know whatever you know what i'm trying to say hyper style it this is like um you know people talk about like 90s art and like that can go in several directions and to me this is like really good 90s art like it's a very distinctive style it's very dynamic um i mean it, it, you look at it and you know you're in the 90s but um it's it's really well done Con conceptually um it's um this is sort of like it, I, was, I was almost gonna say it's sort of the b team but it's not the b team it's like there's magneto's team and then there's this team which is led by quicksilver um and it's actually a really stacked um lineup of characters who you really generally don't see um interact that much in the 616 um at least in this era, you know, Banshee, Storm, Quicksilver, Iceman, Dazzler, and um, especially Exodus, and like you know, Bobby. It's 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 a really interesting lineup with you know, obviously Exodus is a supervillain in the six one six. Quicksilver is on X uh, Factor in this era. And, you know, Storm and Banshee and Bobby are core um, X-Men. Well, I don't... Dazzler's not on the main team in this era. She's just away. Yeah, she's um, in, like, Mojoverse giving birth to her husband's clone son. I don't know. I father. Yeah. yeah. I it, I can recite that relationship, but, like, when asked to explain it, I'm just like, what? I have no idea either. <laughs> Yeah, she she basically gets written out after um, like the '80s. Her and Longshot just kind of disappear. Um, so like this is some of the most dazzler you see in like the mid '90s, and it's like it's it's a neat neat lineup. I can't believe I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but I can't believe the Exodus and Dazzler relationship has never been talked about ever again. Like it, it's like forgotten, one hundred percent forgotten in X history, and. This actually makes sense to me. Like the mutant diva with this crazy religious iconic mutant that's been alive for centuries. It like it makes sense. Oh, to me it, it makes uh it makes absolutely no sense. He's uh he's a weird celibate gay man who was <laughs> asleep for a thousand years. I mean, yeah, okay, I guess okay, dating so closeted closeted gay man obviously dating Dazzler. I mean, yeah, okay, closet game and you know, listening to Dazzler, yes, <laughs> dating Dazzler. I mean, it's 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 not as gay as dating Polaris, but it is. It's up there. Okay, yeah, you're right. Like Dazzler should know. Dazzler should be like, mm, no, I'm sorry, I know you're in the closet. Where Lorna would totally be like, oh, we're in love. Sidebar: My bartender in the in the neighborhood I live in, I love him very much. He was telling me that his last three relationships all the girls have come out of the closet after he's been dating and god bless him he's like i i, I don't want to excuse how he talked but he's just like a straight cuban mid-20s guy living in miami and you see you're like am i just turning these girls and i want to be like bb no you have a type you gravitate towards a type you know yeah. and that type are girls who are you know in miami obviously not coming out of the closet and you like that. You like that butch energy. Uh, you're you're helping people in the community. <laughs> That's what I'm going to tell them next time. Yeah.
But anyways, yeah, I, I really I think that relationship for me works. We'll get into it in the particulars. But another it's a question mark on a lot of things. I, I feel like we should just get into it. So that way we can like start dissecting things. Sure. All right. So issue one is entitled Prologue, and it starts off at Booth Bay in Maine. And there's a group of humans who are going to Euro Asia. And there's like this hooded figure who comes up to the aforementioned Jeremy Graves. And Jeremy Graves is like all happy and optimistic because they're going to go to Euro Euro Asia, which is supposed to be before like the big, you know, apocalypse takeover in North America has been like in shambles. You know, it's supposed to be a place where you can play video games and dance and be happy like the before times. And so, you know, they hit Jeremy Graves and his family like walks forward and the hooded figure reveals herself to be copycat. And she's talking to the Madri and the Madri are like, ha ha ha, how funny these humans, they actually think they're going to be capable of finding salvation out there and that like they have hope ha 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 how funny and futile and i think cat i was gonna call her cat's eye copycat is like musing that like if death doesn't discriminate between like human and mutants like what makes us all different it's like very introspective and 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 poetic what were your thoughts on this opening scene um i was like oh it's copycat like that's a deep 90s uh cut from uh new mutants and then x factor uh, x force sorry and deadpool um yeah i thought it was you know it was interesting with the refugees all gathering to get to eurasia and um you know it's we see in the other uh, particularly the weapon x book that it's it's led by the human high council who are sort of like the other major superpower in the world and like the world is building up towards this conflict that's inevitably coming between Eurasia and Apocalypse. And um, these people are trying to get out because under the Human High Council, people can live uh, outside of breeding pens or whatever the hell <laughs> call it. Where they're uh, keeping Ileana and like everyone. The, yeah. It's pretty uh, grim. Yeah. It's, like it's, it's grim. It's, yeah, like they're they're not the humans are not in a good spot following apocalypses or rise to power. And so the question I had here, and I guess it gets answered later, is how are they gonna get across the pond? But you know, they kind of answer it later. But yeah, I mean, I think I at one point I was like, this is kind of redundant. Like we already get it, but I get it. Like in the nineties, this came out in like nineteen ninety-five. You did not have the resources to see that, like, Apocalypse has taken over. You're reading this at, at a comic book counter, and, like, this is the first time. So, you know, I think it paints a really grim situation. I was kind of curious about the Madri, and, like, one of them is designated as, like, Cardinal. And I'm, like, I'm, I'm just curious about, like, the the hierarchy within there. I try to look online. There's nothing online of people who have dissected the hierarchy, the religious hierarchy of the uh of the madri yeah i mean it, it looks like it it sort of copies the uh the catholic catholic church like the the cardinals the cardinals the guy in charge underneath the next layer with madrox is prime like, is there like a pope one i don't know i guess no you're right like madrox prime i i, I think apocalypse is the pope <laughs> that's fair 
Mm-hmm. That's fair. The another note I had was why Booth Bay Maine. Like I was wondering, like if Fabian Nicieza or like Andy like had any ties to it. A quick Google search does not tell me. Um, and we spoke with Fabian Nicieza at New York Comic Con last year, and he wasn't too interested in being on a podcast about things he's written about. So maybe we can hound him this time at the booth. But I don't know why Booth Bay Maine. But like I found that really curious, just because like. I appreciate these locations, these obscure locations that the Xbooks go to. Yeah, I don't... I I looked it up. I don't really see anything. Like, it's it's a port in Maine. That seems to be... It's just a port. It's like the logical choice. But it, th- this, this idea of locations has just come up to me because we ran into Scott Lobdell at WonderCon. And I was like, oh, my God, that issue where Juggernaut Falls in Hoboken, New Jersey. I lived in Hoboken for like 20 years. And he was telling me I purposely put it there because I lived in Hoboken as well for like 10 years. So that's why I was just curious about it. But no reason for it other than Booth Bay, Maine. Um, So then we cut over to the Xavier estate and the X-Men are training. I was kind of confused by this. So. They're training to put in some kind of like hack where the human high council sentinels would recognize them as humans as well and not attack them because the human high council or whoever's sending the sentinels to pick up the refugees lack the technology to do that. Did I get that right? Um, Yeah, I I, I sort of got the implication that it's just like they don't really like, yeah, they want to like they could do it, but they're just like, yeah, you guys can handle handle not getting killed. Uh, you know, the, the tensions between the Human High Council and even, like, the, the quote-unquote good mutants are still very high. So I, I sort of got the implication that they were just like, yeah, okay, well, best of luck. And so this is where we meet the entire team. It's Iceman, it's Banshee, it's Exodus, it's Storm, it's Dazzler, and then their leader, Quicksilver. I kind of I really like this team. Just sidebar, um, I think this is a they have really interesting dynamics. It's it's also interesting to see Quicksilver, um, who we generally don't see in leadership positions in the six one six, be in charge of the team. I had that in my notes too. It's really interesting. Like Quicksilver really shines in this book as a leader, and I'm curious why we never get to see him more in a leadership role. He just becomes kind of like a d bag <laughs> going forward, you know, all through the House of M era to where we're at today. But it's interesting that Pietro, I really liked him as sort of like a nepo baby that he's leading the team because he's the boss's son. But he, there's a lot that like motivates him. Right. Like he has a lot of internal monologue throughout the throughout the series where he's here like, you know, I wanted to have kids one day. And that was like a right I gave up when I decided to join my father. He has a relationship with Storm or they have like some subtext there. And I'd be like, oh, my God, Storm is too iconic. Like, don't put her with a character like like Pietro. But it kind of is endearing in this context, I think. So I think he makes like a really good leader. And as we'll talk about later on, when he has to make a really tough choice, I'm like, yeah, I get it. I I get why you're in charge of this team because you're making the hard choice, which we'll discuss later down. Yeah. And I I think an element of him having being a leader in this reality is the fact that he does have a good relationship with Magneto. Um, Unlike in the 616 where they have like a very, very tense 
uh, relationship, this Quicksilver seems um, more like sure of himself. Um, still kind of a dick, but like not to the same extent. Yeah, he doesn't have any daddy issues. Yeah. No daddy issues. And I like that he calls Charles, Charles, baby Charles, Rogue and Magneto's child, Charles, his brother. I really, I truly appreciate that. Like, I don't, I don't know. It's like little ticks and like nuances like that, that really solidify, you know, the reality for me. Because like, again, like we've talked about this, I think one of the things lacking in the Krakoan age, especially under Hickman, was that there was this sterilization with like the relationships and that like complicated, messy thing. Like, I w- we want these characters to have those complicated family dynamics and see how they're all connected. So again, like that little touch of just calling his brother, you know, brother, I really, I did enjoy it. And, and, and Charles is under the, under the uh, watchful eye of nanny, who is not the same nanny. No, but this, this is a nanny though, who is in the comics uh, in 616. She's a robot that Magneto has um, in the seventies when he's de-aged and turned into a baby. Um, She take cares of, take cares of baby Magneto until he turns back into a grown man. It's don't worry about it. Don't worry, don't about, worry it. about it. Don't worry about it. Don't, don't worry about it. Um, um, but yeah, so they're, they're here, they're training and Magneto is overseeing everything. And Quicksilver's like really upset because he hasn't been like meeting his time. And, you know, they really want to protect like the human, the humans who are being evacuated to Euro Asia. And Magneto says something like, you know, when he's talking about um, to Iceman about like being a fool and like because Dazzler in this reality is able to construct living light beings, like holographic beings. What do they call them? Holograms. Holograms. I don't like holographic beings. You're like, bitch, holograms. She's able to construct holograms. So that's what the Sentinel, they're like training. This is like their danger room. They're training. And she they they thought they defeated the sentinel but actually she had programmed it under magneto's guise to still like be be active and iceman's like oh we're such a fool and he's and 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 magneto says more the fool i perhaps robert for having gathered and trained a group of soldiers who neglected an opponent not yet beaten uh he goes indeed a warning iceman i'm i do not consider myself a fool nor you so what does that make us and then Bishop, who hasn't spoken in like a day, says, dreamers. And I fucking loved that scene. I fucking loved it. Um, yeah, and Bobby Bobby goes off on Bishop, and um, I think we talked about this a while ago in previous Age of Apocalypse episode, but like this Bobby is like much harder and like darker than 616 Bobby. Um you can even like his ice shape is very just like sharp and like jagged, and um, and he's like a floating head in some of them, like in the Venom movies, the Tom Hardy Venom movies, where yeah. it, it just like circles the head, just circles you. Um, and there's like that gooey trail. That's how it is, but with ice here, it looks really. I gotta tell you, very fluid, really ahead of its time. Yeah, it's it's very um, it's very dynamic and. Um, you know, we we see them sort of gathering together, and Exodus is you know they're Magneto basically summarizes what's going on in the other books. Where Thank you for the uh, pop dump, Magneto. Yeah, 
and Mystique, uh, Nightcrawlers, Nightcrawler seeks out Mystique. Um, Peter and Katya search for Liana, and Gamma tries to steal this mysterious McCran crystal. And uh, Exodus says, so we keep on fighting, even though it will all be pointless if everyone else succeeds, because they're going to overwrite uh, reality. Bitch, you're about to get us canceled. It's not McCran, it's Mcron. Well, it's also... Okay. (laughs) So, they bring up the really valid point. The team brings up this valid point. Like, why are we going to go rescue these these humans over in Maine if we're going to reset reality? Like, what's the purpose of this? Which, that's kind of what I was asking myself, too. It's like, okay, so we need monthly books, and this is going to be, like, the plot. No one knows what to do with. But Magneto has a really cute thing of saying, like, until... We're really sure we 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 have to continue forward opposing apocalypse. Yeah, um, and then they try to figure out like logistics of how to um, to get up to up to Maine, and um, Magneto is basically tells Exodus that oh yeah, Exodus can teleport you, and Exodus um, is just like I. That no, was I, I such a weird plot point. Like, I just, I, I have the question marks on that as a beat of a story. Well, like in in this, so I in this reality, Exodus is only recently woken up, and he doesn't have full control over his powers yet. Whereas, like six one six Exodus could teleport. He doesn't generally do it as much anymore. But like in that whole era where he's like Magneto's like creepy uh, Harold. With the acolytes, he teleports around. So if the, there's there's a bunch of stuff with Exodus as like an Exodus fan in this that I just don't get or just have to ignore. Um, like for example, he's he's sort of pinkish, purpley from birth, and yet like here he's just like he's he's an ordinary white dude. <laughs> um, <laughs> and like he also this one also seems to not have any memories. Whereas the the six one six Exodus remembers his time before being like entombed and stuff, and empowered by Apocalypse, he was empowered by Apocalypse, um, or powered up, I should say. So th- there's a couple things here with Exodus that just don't Perfect. jive, but you just got to go with it. One of them being that he is with a Miss Allison Blair. And we discover that because she lights up her ciggy and like Nanny's like, that's such a nasty habit. And then later Exodus, who we find out his name here is Paris, Paris Bennett says like, that's a filthy habit. You're going to smell bad. And she's like, you'll find out later, won't you? And I just, I loved it. Although I picture her being like, you'll find out later, sweetheart. Well, it's, it's also like, this is the first time we get a name for, Exodus, any Exodus. Like, this is main 616 Exodus is a big villain in this era, and you don't find out his actual name until after it. And it's Benet du Paris. And I guess somebody on the main Xbox was like, you can't just call him like Paris Bennett. That's not an actual mm-hmm. like French French name. So they, they feel like they, Fabi Nietzsche, like, please take a French class. <laughs> like, that's not. Yeah. Well, I, I, it, it is one of like the stupid things I would ask it was like, did you have main Exodus's name already and then just like zhuzh it up for this but he would probably be like I don't know I don't remember that was 30 years ago so listen Fabian you're welcome to come in and we'll ask you really stupid questions that you can give us saucy responses to 
We're yeah. we're thick skinned here. We're we're usually not sober, and we like to troll. So, Fabian, yeah. come on. We know you're listening to this podcast. Uh, the the Exodus Dazzler relationship is also really funny because, like I said, I think I said before, in the six one six, Exodus is very famously in the modern era celibate. Mm-hmm. And in like the pre-modern era, like very heavily implied that he and the 12th century Black Knight were um, an item. So it's like Dayton Dazzler, little gay, little gay. Okay, well, you've given me a lot more context for why this beat in the story just doesn't make sense. Because here's the thing: because they're like, okay, Rogue's team took like our Blackbird, so how are we gonna get there? And Iceman's like, wait, I want to pull this up because I actually Googled this. Iceman's like, well, I could do my moisture molecular inversion and teleport us all, or we can all go to, uh, you know, Maine that way. And that's like when you scramble your molecules to become like water and air particles, and that can move you really fast. I guess he used it during Austin's, Chuck Austin's era as well. And I was like, this is so needless, like, exhibition on how the X-Men are going to get to a location. Like, why? And then they're like, Exodus can do it. And, like, I got the beat where it's like, oh, if Exodus fully realized his powers, he would be a threat. He would probably be on, like, the opposing side on Apocalypse Forces because he's there's much more to him than meets the eye. But, like, I don't know. It was such a weird beat in the story that never gets revisited again it's not like then he starts using his teleporting powers later on in the series it's just like a throwaway line that you can understand if you're reading the current x books that are non aoa at the time yeah and i i think it it like put it in context like this would have been if you're reading it for the first time at the time it would have been like a big like oh shit moment because like exodus is like one of the big villains um in this era like he's up on the satellite with like bathing like comatose magneto and there's a whole like <laughs> he's here he has like a chub while he's bathing magneto in asteroid m and he's here like i'm celibate i'm celibate i'm celibate well daddy uh, magneto's I, just there by the way daddy magneto and this is hot oh yeah oh my uh, god this I, era for magneto i love what's going on with him I, I love this era of like 90s X-Men comics and like I'm not going to get too off the track but like literally in this era Exodus like Mag- Xavier has wiped Magneto's brain. Magneto is basically a vegetable. Exodus is suddenly like oh shit I'm in charge of the Acolytes now and he basically just keeps Magneto in like a bathtub and just like pretends to get instructions from Magneto and it's really funny when you go back and look on it. So like this whole setup where you know he's like Magneto's like mentoring him and stuff and it's like oh okay yeah cool you're not a vegetable and he's not like you know using you like the Wizard of Oz so it's great. This is so fucking odd. But anyways so he's able to teleport he teleports them to Maine and they're like wow we made it all in one piece we're all so happy and then you know we flash forward to the human camp and Jeremy Graves ironically is running around and bumps into Quicksilver (laughs) And Quicksilver's like, you should watch where you're going because Pietro can't help but be a dick no matter what universe he's in. But this is motivated by him caring because as we've discussed already, he he wants to really he wants kids. And he 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 gave up the idea of having kids once he joined his father. And 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 that's something I guess it was Luna. Luna's been born at this point, right? In the in six one six. I think Luna Yes. 
yeah, Crystal and Luna. So I guess this is one of those other things like you have to know what's going on in the mainstream books at the time to understand its impact. And and then the X-Men are just forming their plans for when the Sentinels arrive to get the humans, but unbeknownst to them, the Brotherhood of Chaos has manipulated their systems and the Sentinels start attacking them. Did I get that right? I feel like there's a lot more in that plot that you can probably unpack than I can right now. This is actually in 616, this is well after um, Crystal and Quicks. Like they've separated, I think, by this point because she was banging the accountant or whoever. In WandaVision, not WandaVision, in Scarlet Vision and Scarlet Witch. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and again, for no reason, everyone, I, I remember thinking because it was such a beat that, like, oh, Earth pollution really impacts the inhumans. So everyone's like, Okay, Crystal must be under something, and she's here. Like, no, no, I'm not. I'm actually real. I'm of sound mind. In fact, I'm sober. I'm like completely fine. I'm just banging Wanda's neighbor. Like, that's yeah. it. She's just like, I just wanted that like big accountant dick. And I'm just, sorry, he's a he's a realtor. He's a realtor. Oh, is he a realtor? I forgot his name. Um, but yeah, uh, no, that that was pretty much like the the Brotherhood of of Chaos. When the Sentinels show up, um, the the Brotherhood has has screwed with some of the programming, and you see um, Jeremy gets captured by Abyss, uh, one of the horsemen of uh, the Apocalypse uh, of Apocalypse, and um, you know they they fight the Sentinels, and um, they're gonna go, you know, at the the very end of the issue we get the full the brotherhood appears i had to look up who these some of these brotherhood of chaos members were because i had zero idea and you know there there's so much exhibition in these boxes except for when you need it and i'm just like tell me who all of these people are and and and, and their connection here but it's it's obviously copycat as we talked about yep. it's madison jeffries uh, is box, box box from alpha flight spine uh from the dark riders yeti which belongs to weapon prime and it's arc light but no relation to the marauders arc light and i i want to thank uncannyxmen.net because that's where i went to figure out all this information so thank you uncannyxmen.net but yeah brotherhood of chaos they are literally a one and done issue like we don't have to worry about them much longer because they're done after after the next issue yeah um yeah like just don't worry about it yeah it's it's arc light it's not the arc light that you're probably thinking about so although just... when i think of arc light i think of arc light from x3 where she claps her hand like that at the at the in san francisco when they're battling for the cure where they're on strikers island that's the only time that's the only time i actually think of arc light in my life that's it i've not thought of arc light yeah i mean you don't really Unless you're really into like mutant massacre and stuff, uh, you you really don't have to don't have to worry about it. Oh my god, sidebar! You know I haven't read the entire mutant massacre in its fullest ever. I've never actually read it from beginning. I've read the pieces of it. I've read summaries, but I've never actually read all of mutant massacre. <laughs> I, I wow! I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna process that for the rest of this. You're like, fuck you for calling me out on the McCran crystal versus Emcron crystal, you fake X-Men fan. I mean, I I didn't say it, but <laughs> but 
Um, no, it's good. You should read it. It's it's an iconic story for. I've read obviously I've read it in like like holes. I've read yeah. holes of it because like I've found issues here and there. I've read summaries, so I know what happens obviously, but I've never actually sat down to read it cover to cover. But I mean, like like the the side books, like there's a whole thing with like the power pack and everything, and like with, with apologies to friend of the podcast, Mini Mated. I don't care about the power pack. Like I don't. Wait, does Franklin get slaughtered in it? No, Franklin no. does not. <laughs> no, but but it's it's actually like it's a really like fucked up, like the the kids go down into like the sewers and like just like oh yeah, there's like Sabretooth and the Marauders are literally just like massacring people and just like oh here's like some children and like what the fuck is this Louise Simonson? I mean you're great, but I don't know what the what is this is not a safe place for children. Not a um, safe place for children at all. But to get back on track. Um, <laughs> like, you, you know me so well, man. I was like about to like sound off on like, and Louise Simonson's writing Jean Grey, and you're like, to get back on track, go get us back get on track. Get back on track. Abyss captures uh, Jeremy Graves. Jeremy Graves. Jeremy Graves. And it's also worth noting that as the Sentinels are approaching, Dazzler creates her holograms of Jean and, and Wolverine or Weapon X. And they're confused because they had them tagged in London. And obviously, Copycat and another member, is a Box, gets away from from the scene. And they will, in the next issue, they will make their way towards the Weapon X book and where they will be murdered. So there is synergy. I really appreciate the synergy that's happening with the Age of Apocalypse books. Again, this is a time before Slack and email. And everything seems to be very tightly organized yeah uh stuff's a little you know it's tightly on together um the and we then we get um issue two yeah with uh um great cover of uh quicksilver being wrapped up by abyss with storm uh shooting some lightning and um it opens up with um jeremy being uh wrapped up by um by abyss and like uh, abyss abyss is a sort of confusing character he is the newest horseman of apocalypse um he has like the ability to um he can exude these like coils that like are a gateway to like a dark dimension um and he can also induce like fear and he's one of these characters who he appears in the Age of Apocalypse before he appears in the 616. Like, there is a 616 um, Abyss, uh, Neil Steigler, uh, who is one of uh, Nightcrawler's half-siblings. Oh, uh, yeah. He he pops he pops up in, in Cable, and then it's, like, later revealed that, like, he's... Um, He's one of Azazel's um, kids. When Azazel was just teleporting around, impregnating women. Um, wow. Yeah, night, well, night, Nightcrawler. In that whole year, night, it turns out Nightcrawler has like a bunch of half siblings who you never have to worry about again. And never. Abyss, Abyss, who's been around like Kiwi Black or whatever the guy was, um, 
Abyss has been around for a little bit at that point. They retcon into being like his half sibling, but again, you really do not need to worry about it. No, it wasn't Draco the last time we saw Abyss. I'm trying to, no, it looks like he popped up again for X Factor, um, and all new X Factor. Well, that's it. Yeah, and then like he, he was there. Spit he, my essence. Yeah, not not a popular. Uh... I I like the character. First of all, like the note I have here is like you know you're in a sinister lair in the '90s when you see the evil rats, how they're drawn, and they look so menacing. It's like hee, hee, hee. like I just think of like all these like movies where they throw the child into a basement, these cartoons, and then you see the rats there, and they're supposed to be bad. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, he is he is going for Jeremy Graves. He is devouring him. Um, I noted that he has a very flamboyant personality, almost reminiscent to Sinister's, uh, the current Sinister, because he's here like, ah, 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 now struggling won't get you anywhere. What good's it uh, done you so far? Human cattle, moo, moo, marching from all over, thinking you have the, the chance to in hell of salvation. It's just really like over the top evil. Like he's quintessentially flamboyantly evil. Like he definitely wants Magneto dick if he if he's going to see Magneto. Yeah, uh, I mean, like Sinister, Sinister in this reality is still very much like '80s, '90s Sinister, who's very like emotionless, and um, Abyss out of like the four of the Horsemen that we see is like by far the most like unstable. Um, definitely, they say he replaced um, Bastion. Yeah. Which, hang on, Bastion, Age of Apocalypse, Wiki, because I don't, like, Is do we see the Age of Apocalypse version we, of Bastion? We, we don't. We're, we're told just that uh, Abyss, um, oh, Abyss replaced him. Like, he's, like, the newest member. Yeah. That's, yeah, I'm clicking on the Marvel fandom Wiki, and there's no, there's no page for him. Yeah, so... You know, we cut back then to the X-Men who are going after the Brotherhood of Chaos. And because Copycat can take on anyone's form, they go into the crowd of humans and Pietro kind of like singles them out. But then she turns around and it's Wanda. Now, it's obviously worth noting that in this reality, you, much to your glee, Wanda is dead. She died in X-Men Chronicles. But this Wanda is actually rendered with a crown which the Wanda in X-Men Chronicles did not have it. I know I was just celebrating how on how 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 in sync everyone in the X office is at this time, but this is one of those little little editorial hiccups where she looks more like her six one six counterpart and not the Wanda that we saw. Yeah. And and just like one final thing on um like Abyss and like Bastion, um this is again also before 616 Bastion appears. Oh, appear. I didn't know that. Yeah, he appears in 1996, uh, also oh. in a book by Nicieza. So this is Nicieza also name-dropping a character who I'm presuming he created already at that point. But we've talked, I don't know, I don't think we've gotten into like the, the particulars of, of Generation Next just yet, but we've only done the first issue, but we know for a fact because we we we've we've looked at the ash cannon and all the notes, and we have the gift of retrospection. 
a lot of the writers that were working on Age of Apocalypse used this as an opportunity to drop hints as to what could be true for, you know, 616. And one of them was like, know it all for the Generation X team that was supposed to answer the identity of M at the time. So, you know, we have a lot of those like little hints that that they're they're sprinkling around here. I did not know that is, dude, that is such a like a great deep cut there because, yo, I did not know that Bastion is name dropped here years before he would actually surface. Yeah. Uh, see, we're, we're, we're teaching, we're teaching the community here. <laughs> the public service Get on that mount. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, Pietro's caught off guard because it's Wanda. I don't know why. I mean, like you'd be like, you stupid shapeshifter, like I'll pound your face for that, but it's enough to uh, have him blasted. And then Dazzler's like, don't you dare touch him. You're going to burn. But then um, one of the Sentinels attacks Dazzler, and and he looks kind of pinkish here. Exodus, Paris, Paris Bennett does not look does not look happy about it. He looks maniacal and like kind of pinkish and purplish there. A little bit white they eyes. His, they touched his girl there, and and then Banshee comes in. Banshee and Storm come in to rescue them. And I think there's one thing about Banshee that I had a question mark on. Was that he? He had retired from the X Men, but then like had come back. He had retired from the Age of Apocalypse X Men, yeah. and he was asked to come back. And I think this is setting up his story that he was supposed to like not be here in the first place. And obviously, you know what happens to him later down the line. Yeah, I, I think it's also a nod to the six one six Banshee who retires um, after the in the eighties after getting his throat slit and then he's on Muir Island and he comes back to the X-Men um at like the very end of the 80s early 90s um I although I was really bad no. for Banshee he's always getting his throat slit always getting his throat slit gets hit by a plane um it's, it's the yeah uh Sean Cassidy must suffer and uh we yeah. there was a, I was so angry because like he came back during Remender's. Well, technically, he came back during the Croatia, but Remender's X Force run really brought Banshee back. And then for like a decade, he hasn't said anything. Even until this point, he hasn't said anything. The only thing we got from him recently was maybe like a one liner and Moira actually like skinning him and like wearing his face, you know? Oh, I mean, he's, yeah, he's, he's been a character in um, like Legion of X and some of the other books is like um oh has he i i haven't i didn't read legion of x i mean it's on like my queue in like marvel unlimited no shade to size sparrier we love Cy. we had him on the pod but just not it's not there okay anyways back on track back on track um so um abyss kind of like comes and faces banshee and we find out because abyss is horny (laughs) for quicksilver uh he wants magneto's son and so he wants Magneto's son to be brought to him. And that's what yeah, he does to Sean. Also, Abyss just like killed um, uh, Madri and strung him up because oh, he could. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, I guess that's a, a show don't tell uh, or a tell not showing like how, how serious of a threat Abyss can be. And by the way, he's very maniacal looking, very cool design. Again, the art is beautiful here. If we're not talking about the art, folks at home it's because it's just for me at least i think it's perfect this is what you said scott so so well is that this is peak 90s art yeah um they're not like 
insanely over muscled uh they have feet uh which is unusual for some <clears throat> xbox in this era i really like some of like the stance like when storm has her like hand on pietro and this is where we start seeing that there's something happening between the both of them and she's you're like just please be safe you're a team you know don't go off on your own but he cannot stomach the idea of this one kid being taken by abyss even if it means that he is going to jeopardize the mission and the humans aren't going to make it to euro asia for him i mean and this is like really classic sim- symbolism it's like this innocent child is actually the reason why we're fighting and if we don't go off to save this child we actually have lost our humanity and apocalypse really wins right so i like that he goes off to face abyss uh, him and Storm go off to face Abyss, and Storm actually gets there first, and she finds Jeremy on the ground. And Quicksilver's like, "Why would he just spit Jeremy out like this?" And like Abyss has the best line ever here, where he's here like, "Don't you spit out your gum once it's lost flavor?" And it took the one thing that came to my mind first, though. I was like, "Oh, they have gum in Age of Apocalypse. Like, how do they get gum? Do they just go to CVS?" And I'm like, "Holy shit!" Abyss just compared this kid to like stagnant gum that you spit out. I was like, "That is cold." I mean, he and just he, like it. he just told you what what Age of Apocalypse gum is. It's children. <laughs> it's children. Yeah. And then I got kind of confused with the the fighting here. I'm not going to lie to you. I had to. This is probably why I didn't like it on my initial run, because I couldn't decipher the art. Again, like I, I was raving about the art, but like it's kind of confusing here. Abyss somehow like is tricked into hitting himself or like consuming himself. Yeah, I, I think it it's unclear because of like the way that the powers work, but um, I think it's Quicksilver since he he bursts into like tendrils sort of abyss quicksilver with his speed grabs the tendrils and just sort of like feeds them like in on themselves uh that's what like the it's like frip 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 noise effect is i think he's he's grabbing like them and curling the guy in on himself oh right okay good well listen so abyss is defeated that's all we need to know <laughs> and jeremy graves is free to go with his family and Dazzler had asked earlier in the issue, but how are they going to get there? And I guess they're being transported by the Sentinels. Is that is that how they get there yes. to Euro Asia? Uh, they're they're being carried to ships um, offshore, and um, like I I I am I'm generally not like super attracted to uh, Pietro, but this is like a very well drawn uh, Pietro. Oh, which panel are you looking at? Just. In in general, in general, like, yeah, I'm gonna show you which one I really like. Where I was like, "Wap for Pietro," is the the panel I was talking about with Storm. This one right there. Oh yeah, like, that is hot. Like the way he's just like formed there. Um, yeah. so then the the issue ends with Apocalypse torturing Karma, who works at Angels Nightclub in Manhattan, because Sebastian Shaw had overseen them you know, talking together and, you know, he wants to know where Magneto is hiding out. Again, this was another thing where I was kind of confused by everything. I'm like, you know, he's in Westchester, like Westchester is just a neighborhood. Like, <laughs> like it's not that big of a deal. And Rex is here as well. And, um, you know, he, Magneto's ready to take down Magneto or excuse me, Apocalypse is ready to take down Magneto. So that's where the issue ends. Um, it says 
Apocalypse versus Magneto next. Um, again, I think these first two issues, I like them very much. My one note that I would say that I don't like, and I don't know, it, it's one of those things, right? Like, I want to say that Storm really bleeds into the background for me, right? But then I think what makes some of these sub books special is that it gives a chance for like the bc list characters to really shine yes but i mean we do live in a situation here in age of apocalypse where rogue iceman gene you know are all front and center you know what i mean like wolverine front and center like why wouldn't storm be front and center but i kind of like this team dynamic as it is and storm is very front and center in 616 so the fact that she's taking a back seat isn't necessarily a jab at the character but I, I, I maintain that I think Storm can be iconic, more iconic than she actually is here. No, I um I agree. Um I I do like yeah, like you said, it it's interesting to see it focused on Quicksilver, who well, you know, a prominent character is has never been at the same level as like a storm, a Wolverine, whatever. And it's like it it is it's an interesting shift to have. That, especially, especially considering like a lot of the other books, all the other Age of Apocalypse books, like Excalibur is anchored by Nightcrawler, yeah. um, Gambit, and the um, you know Gambit leads one of the other books, and like I mean the '90s is the Gambit like age. Right. Um, so th- this book's actually sort of interesting in putting Pietro um, front and center. Yeah, and you wouldn't think so by the cover. You would think Storm is actually the leader, given the cover to issue one. I'm also just noticing, with the exception of Iceman, all of these characters don't have Age of Apocalypse Marvel Legends. Banshee, Dazzler, Exodus, Quicksilver, and Storm. Like, they never got the Marvel Legends treatment. So, Hasbro, stop sleeping on that. Give us a wave three. You you heard it here? Yeah. <laughs> um... I, I also just like one final note on issue two. I love how no matter what the reality is, Sebastian Shaw is a dick. Yes, I know. Oh God. I listen, I love that. I identify with Sebastian Shaw and Fabian Cortez as as a human being, like in real life. Like I would totally be ratting out people to 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 Daddy Apocalypse. So um okay. I love that he's so evil. <laughs> You're like, uh, okay. Um, I love that he's so evil. I love that he's unapologetically evil from a narrative standpoint. It is, it is a fun character to see on panel. But yes, he, he saw them talking to, he saw Karma and Gambit and Angel, and was like, "I'm ratting you guys out." Sad. Well, um, if you're Sebastian Shaw, uh, as your attorney friend, I guess that makes me Harry Leland. <laughs> I, I really, really hope this ends better for me. <laughs> You could be Emma. You could, you have some Emma. You could be a Celine. I think you would be more of a Celine or an Emma. I mean, I am an ageless energy vampire. <laughs> <laughs> you are looking really good, by the way. Sidebar: like your skin looks exceptionally immaculate today. You know what? All that, that that's what comes from it's all that twink all energy the, you have. Uh, like you have all those years of not going out in the sun. Um, <laughs> well preserved. Well preserved. Um, okay. So issue three then kicks off with Magneto in front of Xavier's grave saying that like, you know, that, that he was his friend, that like there is a world without you and we're going to make the world right. 
The epitaph on Xavier's grave says, uh, any dream worth having is a dream worth fighting for. And this has really, you know, impacted Magneto because Xavier died in his arms 20 years ago. And now he's living in the home that Xavier grew up in, which made me wonder what happened to the Xavier's. Did they just like, were they just murdered or like, I feel like the Xavier's would be corrupt enough where they would have struck a deal with apocalypse to keep their, to their mansion alive. But I well, guess it's it Charles. Well, Charles is the only living Xavier in the six one six. His parents are, his, I mean, his parents are dead and juggernauts is, um, but are they dead by the time? Because in six, one in this version, he died 20 years prior. Are they dead while they're together in? Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, because it, it's if it's if it's before like stuff diverges, like um, his father, his father obviously dies and then his mother marries uh, uh, Professor Marco, Kane Marco's father. Oh. And then she dies and Marco, the stepfather, finishes like raising charles and, yeah. and by the way in legion quest they did touch upon project black womb which include you know marco's dad as well as irene adler destiny and black womb obviously comes back later decades later in the x books um and and messiah complex as well this this is referenced quite a bit using so. storyline i know such bad we're gonna have to streamline that but anyways so um bishop you know, is is saying that there's something wrong. There's like they they know that there are people on the grounds of the mansion, and holds up a gun. And Magneto's like, "No, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, why would you put a gun to me? I'm the master of magnetism." And like, shoot over my left shoulder and shoots one of the. Is it the Madri that's there? It's um, the infinite. It's the infinite. Yeah, it's the infinite led by uh, the Age of Apocalypse Vanisher, Telford oh. Porter. I know that was. And and again, um, there's a reference to a battle we've never seen, but Magneto's like, last time we fought, ha, ha, ha. And he's here like, it's been a long time since we clash. And he's here like, and it will be even longer, peace. And then he just vanishes out. Yeah. Um, it, uh, it, I, I always, it, again, like I said before with Shaw, like in basically every reality, like the Vanisher is sort of a piece of shit. Um, like he's he's like he's sometimes like a lovable piece of shit in the six one six, but here he's just like he's working for Apocalypse. Like he's Jack too. Like good yeah, for him. Because he's so different in six one six, especially like I I always picture him during the X Force era, where <laughs> during Second Coming he like teleports somewhere else, and it's like with like what on like the beach with all these like women around him, something yeah. like that. I always think of him like more comedic, but here it's like he's ruthless, man. Like he comes in, he teleports out. Magneto easily defeats the Infinites, and he's here like, no, that just means that, like, don't be fooled. He's here waiting to strike, and it's Apocalypse, and he's here like, I am everywhere. And I think this is the hottest panel ever. He, like, jumps on Daddy Magneto and grabs him by the hair. Like, that is a very sexualized pose. Um, it is. And Apocalypse has that like trait, like we've seen him in other covers grabbing Gene's hair. Like he loves grabbing the long hair of people. Oh uh, yeah, you know, like like a good like loves a hair pull. He's in there. He's ripping those wigs off, snatching those wigs. 
Um, and I couldn't tell if he actually snatched some of Magneto's wigs, but I guess the way Magneto's hair is, is that he just has the long hair in the front. It's just two long braids in the front, but it's short in the back. Right? I mean, that's how it's drawn here. Um, I thought it was like two ponytails that come over oh, and around. Yeah, I think that's how it is. It's it's probably like that. I, I think we're just like the weather in Age of Apocalypse. I'm overthinking Magneto's hair. Well, no, but, but like the like um, figures and other stuff often have them with like the two the braids uh, there. The braid. yeah. Where's the Marvel Legends Magneto? I have the Mafex around here, but let me see. Let me Google the Marvel Legends AOA Magneto. How do they do that? Because I always think of it, and I think it's in X Men Omega. He has like the long hair in the back as well. Yeah, so this looks like he does have like like long hair in the back. So it's the two braids. It's braided forward, and then he has long hair in the back. But in some of these panels, in this like the way Kubert draws him, he just doesn't have hair in the back. It's just like the two long ponytails in the front, and then the the back is short. I think he spends a lot of time on hair care for a leader of like a you know, the, the only good force in North America, but that's that's just a personal Everyone difference. in the Age of Apocalypse has great hair. Bobby, Rogue, Gene, even oh, yeah. with the short hair. Like, they have, like, whatever salons are alive in the Age of Apocalypse, they are thriving. Like, it takes months to even, like, book something there. I'm here for it. Um, Yeah, so Magneto fights uh, uh, Apocalypse and Bishop, and they lose, and we find out that Vanisher is actually there to get baby Charles. Yeah, and um, he encounters Nanny in the tunnels under the mansion. Uh, the, the the Morlock, I mean, these are the Morlock tunnels. Um, and um, she disintegrates his ass. Like, yeah. Just, yeah, full stop. Um, she's carrying baby Charles and like this, like, womb thing built into her and um it's a really cool design of, by the way i love the womb yeah. design oh it's great and and she whips out a bunch of guns and uh you know, kills the vanisher yeah i mean it's like they discover him um and he just comes out and he's dead and they're able to surmise that there was like a big threat because nanny unleashed her incinerator and they being the x-men who have returned so it's exodus quicksilver Dazzler, Banshee, and Storm. And they're like, holy shit, like, what happened? Where's everyone? And then we cut to Manhattan, where Angel is having a minute, like, talking to himself, being like, eventually I'm going to have to choose either good or bad. And Quicksilver comes in, and he's here like, what happened? I need to know Magneto and Bishop are missing. My father's missing. And we find out that Magneto has been taken to Apocalypse's Citadel and Bishop has been taken to Quebec, uh, where the Madri are going to use Shadow King to probe him and his mind. And Magneto's being tortured by by Apocalypse. Did I get that right? I think I got that right. Yeah. Um, they've apparently turned Quebec City into like the center of the uh, the Church of the Madri. And you see... Uh, five madrai standing around um uh torturing bishop um and they're all chanting may the fittest survive and uh then they they set loose the shadow king who enters his mind and um you get snatches of um 
the 616. Um, you see, uh, you see Onslaught, weirdly. I guess this is right around the time of Onslaught. You see, um, wait, do we see Onslaught? Hang on, let me go back to it. I did question some of this stuff because I was like, why? Like, they have the O5 there. I'm like, why would Bishop have such a vivid memory of the O5? Hang on, let me go there. Um, is Actually, that Onslaught? I don't no, think, no, I think that's, that's when they were, yeah, the Shadow King. Too when it's too yeah. early to be Onslaught, yeah. yeah uh, it's, it's when it's when Xavier first encountered Shadow King, and then... That's right, on, on the Astral Plane. And so then, it's like, it's too early for Onslaught. And then the death of Xavier, and then the O5, as yeah. led by Xavier. But again, why would he have this memory? Because, like, if you're looking at this memory, that's him looking at the O5, but whatever, we'll let that go. Um, sure, maybe. I can't make out this one. It, does that look like Apocalypse? Yeah, it's Apocalypse in a pool of blood. Pool of blood, and then um, Xavier and Bishop, you know, side by side. So, yeah, so, like, basically, they're verifying that Bishop is from another dimension where their Lord Apocalypse does not rule, and it's, like, terrifying for them. They're like, how can this, how can this be? And, um... And then we cut to um, the school and Pietro has made the decision that they're going to go after Bishop, that he will go after Bishop because that's what his father would want because Bishop is a key to all things. And that's where we, where we end this issue. Oh, Storm and like Pietro have like a moment, you know, and she's here like, now you turn your feelings off when it comes to your family. And he has, he says, I can't, I won't even think about it. Um, I've already lost so much fighting, this endless war, my sister, my life, my everything. And he's going to go where he's needed. So I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, and Abyss pops back up to monologue over Bishop. Uh, he also, he eats three more Madri because, <laughs> I mean, Jamie can just pe- keep popping them out. So That's right. Abyss is not dead. Abyss is not dead. Yeah. So that's he where we better. he got better. Hashtag he got better. So then we 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 kick off with issue four, which is the last issue of the series. And again, up until this point, I'm going to tell you, I've really enjoyed the series. I really, I think it's been, again, the stakes aren't necessarily high, but it is, as you said, setting up X Men Omega, and like the finale, and and one of them being X Men. Uh, it's going to be Apocalypse versus Magneto. Which I have a lot of questions about because there's a lot of like things dropped here that don't make sense from a narrative standpoint that we never get to see, but we'll chat about that. Yeah. Um, it opens up with um, the Madri doing sort of like communion ritual. Um, they're, well, they, they, they chant and sing to Apocalypse and they're, they're drinking out of a chalice that um, is mingled their blood with uh, Bishop's blood and it's passed among the Madri and then it's passed back to uh, the head Madri there. Um, And um, they're going to, they're going to feed the blood to back to Bishop. Uh, You know, let it now pour back into this empty vessel, filling it with the power and majesty of his high Lord and Saba Nur. And then storm appears and freezes the um blood and just starts killing madri because she can and that's because amazing yeah i i have nothing listen the madri i guess 
I don't know if I've just never really thought about it. they're very religious. I mean, it makes sense. I, I, I understand how stupid it is to say out loud now, but it's it. They are really a religious cult. And this book is trying to explain where they come from and everything. Um, so that's why I think this is also a necessary book, because we're we as we'll find out later on in this issue, Madrox Prime has is here and he's been lobotomized and. Oh, it's so it's worth noting with endangered species since we mentioned that with Black Boom, the Black Boom project. Um, Dark Beast in there, we do flash back to Jamie um, being the perfect specimen for Dark Beast because he can experiment endlessly on yeah. him. So poor Jamie. Sorry, Jamie. Sucks to be you. Um, it it's it's like, yeah, it in this reality apocalypse being a very ancient man has sort of done the classic thing where like the church and the state are sort of like fused. So you see the Madri are both like priests, but they're also like the people who make up like the government basically. And, you know, apocalypse has an endless supply of these guys that he can just, um, he can just duplicate and make dupes of dupes and et cetera. So back yeah. at, Back at the manor. Do you listen to Words of the Witches sidebar with Kevin's podcast? No. So he loves to say manor every time he's talking about. So I was just trying to replicate his voice there. No, Storm um, frees uh, Bishop with lockpicks. She's like, he he's surprised. She uses lockpicks. He's like, is this, is the Aurora on the world you come from so different that she has lost out on things only an orphaned upbringing on the streets of Cairo could provide and um, gets her out. And then uh, Bishop uh, Quicksilver and um, Banshee show up and uh, knock out another Madri and um, enter this sort of vault where they keep uh, Jamie prime who uh, is sitting there drooling on himself in a diaper Oh my god, he is wearing a diaper. I thought it was just whitey tidies, but like as you were saying that, I'm like, yeah, it is. It is a diaper. And listen, fair enough. Like he has baby blocks uh, like in front of him, and like a stuffed animal. So he is truly lobotomized, and he's and he's wondering if he's gonna be killed because he wants to die. Oh my god, it's such a dark story. <laughs> yeah, and it like we're we're told that he's been um, genetically altered by sinister and beast to exceed the natural limits on his duplicating abilities. Um, it's like, you know, our, our Jamie can create huge numbers of dupes, but there is like a limit and me, he, can um, he can't also create like, like I think, I think in age of apocalypse, you can create just like dupes from dupes like indefinitely. And that's how like they don't. Yeah. So it's, they've, they've screwed with him quite a bit. But oh, then, then we cut back to, yeah. Then we cut back to uh, the mansion where um, Rogue's team has arrived. Yeah, and they've all assembled here. Rogue's team, Generation Next, they're there. They find out that something has happened here. And she's like, Rogue is like, have you seen Baby Charles or Magneto or Quicksilver? And she's like flipping out. It's worth noting that Kate is smoking a ciggy here too. <laughs> Which I love because she's here like, oh, shit just got real. And so they go into the Morlock tunnels with Dazzler and Exodus and Gambit. 
and there and Jubilee's there and they're all looking for baby Charles. But we find out that actually Guido has taken baby Charles. Yeah, it's um yeah, Guido, who we'll get to in the uh the gambit and the externals, um one has uh taken the baby and um, baby Charles. But this this also serves to set up um said uh Omega is like all the the remaining like core characters have been gathered uh back together. We find out that like most of Generation Next died. Uh Colossus, uh Kitty and Ilyana have survived. They rescued Ilyana from the uh pits. But we we cut back to Quebec and um they are fighting off um the Madri and Jamie Prime is basically begging Quicksilver and Banshee to uh, kill him because uh, that will wipe out all the other uh, dupes. Uh, and Quicksilver has like a moral dilemma where he doesn't, you know, want to kill, um, doesn't want to kill Jamie because he's like, the boy is innocent. And Banshee's basically like, well, this is a war and, um, and we need him to die so we can like win because like the Madri are literally his endless armies. Yeah. And uh Abyss shows up with uh his uh, he calls it a dramatic entrance. Uh you just gotta love my dramatic entrances, don't you? And <laughs> they uh they start to to uh to fight. Um and clearly in this reality they they still have a functioning las vegas because um abyss says your your gal pal and the bulldog bishmeister are about five minutes away from dying and there's not a thing you and your coward of a pal can do to stop it vegas odds say you're dead okay (laughs) i love that the vegas did survive like the whole world is shit but vegas is still standing yeah and you know, Jamie commits suicide, which I think is really lovely. I mean, it's like it's his version of the Dark Phoenix. He shuts down all of the dupes, but that strain kills him. And and the and 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 the and the Magi are no more. I'm trying to look at the art here because I can't actually. Is there like a scene where the, all the dupes just like drop off? Um. We we see them all suddenly um Where are they? towards the on page um page nineteen, they all suddenly start to drop. Um but I will say before that, Banshee uh dies. I Banshee... am so confused by the art here. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Like, yes, I see it now in the background. Yes, you're right, Banshee does die. That's why I made the Banshee joke. Yeah, he he flies straight into um uh, straight into abyss, but his while doing a sonic scream, it explodes uh, abyss from the inside. And um, but yeah, you start to see the Madri um, all just sort of fall, and they don't really explain it or show it that well. But um, all the Madri go down. Did you ever play X Men Legends two? Uh, years ago, yeah. So the Madri are in there, and like the only time I ever think of the Madri's voice 
is when you get to the Temple of Apocalypse or whatever, the Temple of the Madri, and they're seeking out the Stepper Cuckoos. And the, the Madri say, you seek the Trinity? And it's like the way the voice delivers it. So that's all I can like. I have to remember that these are actually Jamie Jamie Madrock. But um, yeah, it's a grim ending. I mean, like everything in Age of Apocalypse, it's just grim as fuck. And they return back to the mansion. And hang on, let me look at my notes here. Yeah, Rogue, Rogue's yelling at uh, Remy and uh, Nightcrawler and suddenly bamps in with uh, Destiny. And we're getting set up for the ending because all the puzzle pieces are there. They need to go rescue Magneto, but they have everyone. They have Gambit. They have the Amicron Crystal. They have Nightcrawler. They have Destiny. They have Eliana. They're ready to. They're ready for that final battle, that final confrontation. Yeah, and on the last page, we get them. You know, uh, Colossus, Rogue, Bishop. Storm, Iceman, and uh, Quicksilver with his gigantic thighs uh, just standing there overlooking the uh, the mansion. Now, yeah, so Quicksilver says, now Creed, we have uh, to regain that piece of the Emkron Crystal, rescue Magneto and my brother, and then we do what the X-Men have always done. We give our all, our lives, to make sure this is the day Apocalypse falls. And then Age of Apocalypse comes to a stunning conclusion in X-Men Omega on sale next week. I will say, I haven't read Astonishing X-Men in, in quite a bit, but the last panel for Astonishing X-Men is really iconic. I don't think this is as iconic. But it does do, it, this book definitely is a good one that sets everything up really nicely yeah it 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 ties up the um the other storylines nicely or bring i shouldn't say ties them up it brings them all together for the tying up in omega yeah and if you don't want to read like i I was thinking this like if you don't want to read a lot of books this is one of the books that i would say you could possibly read and you would get a gist of what is happening in the in the other books without having to read them. Like it sums it up really nicely because the plots, I guess, are not as straightforward or are, are not as complicated. Um, they really just need that Emicron crystal shard. They really just need Ileana is how they get there. That's the story. So this book does a really good job of like summarizing everything. And you can go into X-Men Omega fully yeah. knowing at mostly everything. Every every other book except for um, Weapon X uh, and X-Man uh, intersects directly with this one. Yeah, and I want to say something like we're going to get to X-Man. I obviously reread X-Man quite a bit often in my life. I'm dying to get to that one. It is very much a very inclusive story. And, you know, things happen there like with Sinister and Forge. But, um, you know you can just see X-Man pop up in X-Men Omega, and I don't think you would be too thrown off by his presence. You you definitely would be missing too much. No. If you just think cool. of him. Yeah, who, who is Twink Cable? Why is who he... is Twink Cable? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, all right, so there it is. That is Amazing X-Man. Scott, what are your overall thoughts? Um, it was good. It was, it, it was better than I remembered. Um, I had not read this one in a while, and um, I, I think I have a greater appreciation of it on this reread. Um, 
just because I I see now, um, like as an adult, I remember first reading this as like kid, teenager, uh, as an adult, like seeing it, how it ties together all the other stories. Um, and yeah, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I think it ties in all the stories really well. I, I I don't think it's the most epic escope. Like I mean, like when you think of Age of Apocalypse, they're like we have to go seek out Destiny and Avalon. We have to go to Shi'ar space and get the Emkron crystal, and the Emkron crystal slowly devouring everything. I, but that's refreshing. I think this is very character driven, and I think if you're a fan of like Pietro, for example, this is a really good meditation on the character and like kind of like through the looking glass. I love the art. I thought the art's really great. I think this is a reason why people like Age of Apocalypse. It's really good yeah. art with a with a decent story. So, yeah, I give it an A plus. Again, I read it on the the, the first time I read it. Could not tell you what happened to it. Uh, read it when we were agreeing to do it for the podcast. I was like, eh, this kind of sucks. I don't know. Like, what's the point of it? But then my second critical read, I was like, this is perfect. This is really really good. It's it's aged well. Oh, has the has it, it's aged well from the age of apocalypse? I don't know. I'm trying to make a joke there. Well, keep keep working. We got a couple more of these to do. You'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so there we go. There is our feels on Amazing X Men. Get another a- Amazing X Men title later on, but that like has Firestar in it. It's not as cool. So ongoing. We're good. I'm yeah. good. Yeah, I'm good. And this is this is where I leave my love for Amazing X Men. Uh, Scott, what do you have coming up? Um, nothing. Uh, as I mentioned, in about a month, uh, I'll be at FlameCon. Uh, come and say hi. Um, I'll be there one day as uh, Novar, and one day probably as Kid Omega. So yeah, say hi. Uh, awesome. Either either day, I will be a mean Morrison Twink. So. Yeah. I forgot Morrison wrote Marvel Boy back in the early yeah. aughts. I forgot yeah. about that. We should definitely read that for the podcast. I would love to read that. Oh, 100%. It's it's like it's peak Morrison. It's just weird concepts and love everything about it. I reread that every year. I love that's what I do with long shot. All right. Um hopefully I'll be at FlameCon as well so we can kiki together IRL. If not, definitely we'll be at New York Comic Con, and 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 obviously we're going to be covering the Age of Apocalypse on the podcast. We're going to wrap up our coverage for that, and then we can decide on the next X Men crossover. But it's taken us two years to get through X Men through Apocalypse, so I I don't I'm not I'm not too eager to jump too fast. I just want to finish these issues. But yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. All right, hit us up at Power of X Men on Instagram. I joined Twitter again. And I'm trying to do the Twitter thing. And of course, Twitter is going through its own age of apocalypse. Yes. So if we're still around, by the time this episode airs, you can hit us up on Twitter. And you can find me on Instagram at Mr. Scott Free. Uh, if Twitter is still around, you can find me there at Mr. Scott Free. Uh, if not, find me on Instagram. <laughs> on Instagram. All right, familiar. We'll see you later.